Good morning, New Hope. Go ahead and grab your Bible or your, uh, your phone or whatever you're going to use to read the Bible with today and turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. Uh, it's on page 862 on mine. I don't know what that means for you, but uh, Ezekiel 37. Please go ahead and flip to that. I want to start today and just show a little bit of honor. I want to honor you. Uh, church, you have been so faithful in the middle of this time. Uh, your giving's been faithful. Your attendance to church and, and gathering together in a different way. Uh, even in a hard time, is, has been amazing. So thank you for being faithful. And I also want to take a second and honor our pastor. It's been said that a church takes on the personality of the pastor. And if our church is steadfast and faithful, what's that say about our pastor, if that's true? Uh, so I want to honor my dad. Uh, if you want to join me in honoring our pastor, would you just hit the heart button over and over a few times or, or say something? Thank you, pastor. Just, let's just honor him. If we were in the room together, I'd ask you to put your hands together, but uh, we can't do that. So just heart, 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 heart. We, uh, we honor you, pastor. Pastor dad, as I like to call you. Uh, but thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being steadfast for 40 years. All right, Ezekiel 37. We're in the middle of a series right now called Old Testament Parables. So Jesus taught in parables, and, and it was a story that teaches us a spiritual truth. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at Old Testament parables where there was a story that was told or a vision that was given in the Old Testament, uh, and it teaches something for us today. Uh, really, it's based upon uh, the Old Testament Israel pattern. Over and over again in the Old Testament, God blessed his people, Israel, and uh, the people were all happy. Yeah, everything is great. And they forgot about God's blessing. They, they forgot that life was great because of the blessing of God. And so they rebelled. They ignored God. And God lifted his blessing. And when God lifted his blessing, things got rough. They went into exile. The story we're looking at today is about the exile uh, of Israel into Babylon. And they say, oh, life stinks. God, would you please come save us? And God would send a rescuer and, uh, and, and his blessing would come back to the people when they called upon him. That happened over and over again uh, throughout the Old Testament. And many of these parables are about that dynamic. Uh, and right now in our life today, we seem to be going through a crisis. We seem to be going through a time where God is trying to get our attention. So we look to him again and we cry out, to him again in the midst of this time too. So uh, these Old Testament parables, they're not written for us, but they're written to empower us, to help us understand the character of God and, uh, and, and what he wants to do in our lives. So let's look at this, let's, uh, let's look at this passage together here in Ezekiel 37. I'm going to read the first three verses. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, among all the bones. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Any logical person would say, no, of course not. Uh, but Ezekiel was wise. He said, sovereign Lord, you alone know if these bones can come back to life. Uh, I'm going to give you today, I'm going to share with you three dry bones, three dry bones that I think many in the church may be dealing with today as you uh, listen to this message. Uh, these, these three bones are three things that I think are areas that many of us have been stuck with for a very long time. 
they're dry. The sun has bleached these bones. It, it, it's been this way for decades, maybe. And, and, and it's easy for them to, to uh, they've been in our life so long because it's so easy to rationalize these things, almost out of a sense of righteousness. I'll unpack that in just a minute. And, and all three of these dry bones, I think, are things that are holding not only you back, but they're holding the church back. They're holding the move of God back when we keep these dry bones in our life. See, this whole context, uh, spoiler alert, Ezekiel 37, is about the army of God. An army has a purpose. They go on missions and stuff. Like, they, they do things. An army has a purpose. And if we are a dead army of God, then God cannot accomplish his purpose. And so it's holding the church back. Our personal decisions can hold the church back if we're not careful. So let's just pray real quick. Lord, I pray that as I speak, humility would rise up in each of our hearts and we would look honestly at ourselves. We would highlight areas of our life that may be dry bones and we would receive and hear the word of the Lord spoken to us. So Lord, speak, God. Speak and move us. Amen. All right, let me give you the first um, dry bones. I have, I have three bones. I, I, this is bones, bones to pick, I guess. Uh, I, got, I got a bone to pick. Um, so the first dry bone I found out in that field, this is the first dry bone I found. And I don't know if you can see it, but it says unforgiveness. That's the first bone that I think many of us deal with. It's a dry bone, unforgiveness. God can't get much more clear than this. Colossians says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Later on, Matthew, not later on, before that, I guess, Matthew chapter six, Jesus taught this. Matthew chapter six, verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. That word forgive in the Greek means uh, it's not the idea of I'm going to be nice, uh, you know, kindness. It's not that. Forgive means to remit, to abandon, to give up your right for retribution. And Disney says it best, in this case, let it go. Just let it go. Let it go. I'm not going to keep going. I'll just, I'm going to stop singing. Uh, just let it go. I vanquish my right for Retribution. The common thought when we talk about forgiveness, I mentioned unforgiveness, and some of you are thinking of people that you don't want to forgive right now. This is the common thought when it comes to forgiveness. It's, I need to forgive another person when they were unjust towards me. You may need to do that today. You may need to forgive people that have been in the grave for 20 years. You may need to forgive people that you're going to go back and see at work this week. You may need to forgive people that are in your house. China's kind of on the other side of the coronavirus pandemic a little bit. They're starting to come out of, out of it. When offices began to open up again in China, divorces skyrocketed. People couldn't stand living with each other anymore. And they decided enough is enough. Church, that is not God's way. You can make it. If your marriage is struggling, let me just encourage you. You can make it. That thing you're upset about isn't about that thing you're upset about. There's something behind it. You might just need to let it go. You might just need to let it go. That's the common thought 
When it comes to unforgiveness, the common thought is I need to forgive someone who hurt me. But let me expand that thought of what unforgiveness really can look like. Anytime an injustice removes my peace, I need to forgive. I need to let it go. I need to abandon it. I need to release it. If you disagree with Governor Holcomb's decision that he made later, or late this week, this past week, or if you disagreed with him before, whatever, but if that feeling of disagreeing causes you to lose your peace because of your sense of righteousness or justice, if you lose your inner peace, you're not disagreeing, you're being disagreeable. Let it go. It's not the Christian way to hang on to unforgiveness. Forgive, let it go, remit, release, abandon, pardon, so that your heart can have peace. It is possible to disagree passionately and still have inner peace. Forgiveness for the Christian is not optional. I didn't hear anybody say preach it, but let me just say it again because it's good. Forgiveness for the Christian is not optional. Your heart should be at peace. Let's not allow pride to veil our eyes to where unforgiveness sets in and stirs up grief in our lives. If you disagree with someone and lose your peace, you lost even if you were right. You can't keep a Christ-centered heart I'm sorry, if you can't keep a Christ-centered heart in the middle of a disagreement or, or an argument, let it go. That's what forgiveness is. You give up your right to, for retribution. All right, here's the second dry bone. I gotta keep moving. Second dry bone. This is the second area of death that we may have in our lives. It's bitterness. You may have bitterness. I, I kind of talked about this already. Bitterness just kind of hangs on. If, you don't, if you don't forgive, this is going to take a big, huge root in your life. Hebrews talks about, the, talks about this. Let's read it. Hebrews chapter 12 says this. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Two things I want you to see in that verse. First is that bitterness can be a root. The only way to get it out is to dig it up. It's a root. And when it grows, it doesn't just affect the person who has a bitter root. It affects all the people around them. It causes trouble and defiles many. Let me tell you a quick story. My freshman year of college, it's one of the first, first things I did when I moved on to campus was I got together with this group of other freshmen and we did a community service project and all day long I was outside and it was a hot day, like August, and I was sweating and my bandana was all sweaty and I was a sweaty hot mess. Spent the whole day outside working and at the end of the day, I had to make it over to the financial aid office before they closed at five o'clock. And all I knew was that the financial aid office was somewhere in that big building. And so I went in this big building and I'm like, I don't know where to go. I'm looking for signs. I don't see anything. And then, and then around the corner comes a pretty girl. And I'm thinking, she'll tell me where it is. I say, excuse me, can you tell me where the financial aid office is? And she took a few steps closer to me. I'm thinking this is going to be a nice long conversation. And as she got a little bit closer to me, 
She said, yeah, sure. It's, it's down the hall. I had forgotten until I saw her gagging. I had forgotten and not even really, I didn't forget it. I didn't even realize that I stunk. I couldn't smell myself. You don't smell your own B.O. And it was when I saw, saw her reaction that I realized how badly I stunk. So I found the financial aid office down the hall and whatever is not the point of the story. A bitter root is like that. A bitter root can create a dead area in your life that starts to stink. And you may not even be able to smell it yourself. You don't smell your own stink. But other people around you do. Your attitude may stink. Lord, if that's, if that's your people, Lord, I pray you'd speak to their hearts right now. Let them smell the stink, the spiritual stink in their life. You may have a root of bitterness. Like Jeff Foxworthy says, you might be a redneck if. Okay, here's mine. You might have a root of bitterness if you know you do. Some people know. When I talk about bitterness, you're like, that's me. I'm a bitter. I have a stinky attitude. If you know you have a stinky attitude, you know you have a bitter root in your heart, you probably do. You might have a root of bitterness. This might be your dry bone that God wants to bring to life today. If you have a short temper, you might have a root of bitterness if, if you blow up about something stupid. And you know it's stupid, but it feels righteous to you because of you know, your, your view. It's probably not about the thing that you got upset about. When you blow up a, something stupid, it's symbolic, usually. There's something deeper. Your blowing up isn't the fruit. It, it, it's, it's coming from a root of bitterness, and, it, and that thing that you blew up about isn't about the thing, it's about the, the other thing that's causing bitterness to come out of you. You might have a root of bitterness, this might be your dry bone, if you gripe and gripe about every politician, about everything you see, you gripe and gripe, you might have a root of bitterness. Griping and griping might be the fruit, but the root is bitter. You, fr you might have a root of bitterness if you frequently hurt other people with your words of destruction without even realizing that they were words of destruction until after you see the look in the other person's eyes. When you see the, the other person start to go, ooh, and they start to gag, you might have a root of bitterness. If you have a root of bitterness, church, you need to dig it up. That's where roots are located. You can't just pick a root, you don't pick carrots off a tree. You gotta dig, you gotta go look for it. Our church has a few tools to help this be possible. We have tools to help you dig down to find bitter roots, to find restoration in your life. Uh, we, we put a label on this, we call it our deliverance process. Right now in the public chat, there's gonna be a link that pops up. You can open that up in a new tab and look at it later if you want. That's www.mynewhope.in slash get free. These are tools rooted in God's word and they're biblical spiritual practices. We're just gonna guide you through them. You have to do them. We're just gonna guide you through biblical spiritual practices that help you break off parts of your past that are dead. If you think this may be your dry bone, you need this. You, you do. You, you need to go through our deliverance process. You really do. But you don't have to take my word for it. Watch this. 
Hi, I'm Jen, and I've recently gone through the deliverance ministry. When the deliverance ministry started to gain momentum, I thought it was a great thing for other people. I didn't really think it applied to me because I've been a believer for many years. Then my life came crashing down around me, and I started thinking that maybe going through the deliverance process could be helpful. And I'm so glad I did. There were parts of the process that brought up a lot of pain from my past that I thought had already been dealt with years ago. Some of those were pretty major events and some were smaller issues, but addressing each thing with Jesus and the members of the deliverance team helping me has opened my heart to begin to receive all that God has for me. My hunger for his truth has increased greatly and the follow-up practices of reading and declaring God's word very specifically over my life each day are making me aware of how much more God wants for me than what I had settled for previously. The deliverance process seemed a bit overwhelming at the beginning, but it is a strategic plan for defeating the enemy in all areas of my life. I was nervous about sharing some of my deepest struggles with other people, but as I committed to the process and began to get a taste of what was to come while completing the initial exercises, that didn't seem to matter anymore. My focus switched from my personal comfort to just wanting more of Jesus. He is filling me up with more of himself every day. There are still definitely struggles that I deal with, but I feel like I have a better grasp on my spiritual weapons to fight them now. So again, if you have a bitter root in your life, get digging it up. And we would love the chance to help you. Just head to mynewhope.in slash get free. And those spiritual practices will, are, are available right there. You can begin it today. Jen did it, so can you. So I hope you do that. Let's look at the third dry bone. It's apathy. Apathy. If this is your dry bone, by definition, you're going to want to start to tune out right now. So can I just encourage you? Force yourself to lean forward. If you have apathy in your life, you don't care. Like, that's what apathy means. So let's just make a decision. We won't got what God wants, right? So let's lean forward and be open. This might be us. This might be you. This might be me. God, what do you want to say? Let's be open to this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 and 27 says this. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth... No sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. I can just imagine you right now sitting on your couch and you just turn to somebody next to you and you said, that doesn't sound like a very loving God. God is loving. He loves you so much he died for you. But he didn't just die for you to save you. He died for you so that you can have the power to stop sinning. He died for you so you have the power to live a holy life. And if we we take that power and totally reject it by deliberately sinning, as the Bible says, there's no sacrifice for sins left. No sacrifice for sin is left for someone who completely rejects it. 
The value of Jesus is that he gives you the power to stop doing it. If it goes through your head before you sin, if you plan on sinning and it goes through your head, like, I can do that because God's going to forgive me. Hey, that's apathy. That is deliberate. That is a deliberate sin after you receive the knowledge of truth. Don't keep doing that. Jesus died so you have the power to stop. Reach it, pastor. Thank you. I heard you. Through, through technology and a day apart, I heard you. Okay, let's keep going. It's like my kid coming to me. This happened a few weeks ago. My son had done something naughty. He shoved his sister or something. I don't remember what it was. And I said, Caleb. He came up and said, oh, daddy, daddy. I'm sorry. It was an accident. It wasn't an accident. He did it deliberately. He just said it was an accident because he wants forgiveness. We may do that in our own spiritual lives. And it's apathy. That's what it is. It's apathy. It's I don't care. I don't, I don't care. We need to. Maybe you have apathy in your life. Maybe a lot, maybe a little. Let's be open to what God's saying. If it's there, you want, you want to get rid of it, don't you? Let's be open to what God says now. You may have apathy if you don't care that you have a deliberate sin in your life. If that's you, I just want to read this scripture to you. Ephesians 5.14. Wake up, sleeper. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. You also may have apathy in your life if it really doesn't bother you that you don't have a ministry. You don't even see your family as a ministry. You may have apathy in your life if you don't care whether or not you read your Bible this week. You may have apathy in your life if prayer is an afterthought in your life and you're okay with it. You may have apathy if you aren't really concerned a whole lot that people you know are gonna go to hell and spend an eternity separated from God. You may need to ask Jesus to bring your dry bones back to life. That's what we're doing today. We may have some dry bones. There may be some latent death in our lives, but God wants to put it together. He has a plan for us. He has, you know, these are rather useless. Bones are rather useless. This is not an army of God. It just used to be. And God can bring it back to life in a true revival, but it starts with each of us. So God has a plan, and we're going to look at that plan. Ezekiel 37, we're going to keep going, verse 4, uh, verses 4 through 6. Here's God's plan. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones, and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, and make flesh come upon you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I just gave you three, uh, I just shared three dry bones that I think some, of the, some in the church have. We're dealing with at least one of them on some degree. Now let me give you a second list. These are three steps to bringing dry bones to life. It's God's plan to bring dry bones to life. We're going to keep reading Ezekiel 37 verses 
7 and 8. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, doing some sound effects. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. This passage is all about physical things. Bones, tendons, flesh, skin. These are physical items. Here's number one. The first step to bringing dry bones to life. Speak your decision. Speak your decision. In coming alive and having your dry bones come back to life, there is a part that is very definitely you. It's something that only you can do. God made you a free moral agent. And this is your part. You have to make the decision to be alive to abandon your offenses, to stop relying on alcohol, pornography, substances like smoking or alcohol. Don't rely on anything else but Jesus to take the edge off stress. We gotta trust on Jesus first. If you haven't gone to Jesus first, forget anything else. We have to make a decision to make time with Jesus a priority. There is a physical, natural, and personal will element to dry bones becoming Alive. We, we have to step into what God has for us. But that's not complete. It's not complete under our own power. Here's step two. Uh, it comes from Ezekiel 37, verses 9 and 10. Then God said to me, prophesy to the breath, the pneuma, the spirit. Prophesy to the spirit. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and they stood on their feet, a vast army. That last step was all about what we can do, but this step is, what, is all about what God can do and what only God can do. Number two, invite God's power. Invite God's power. We need the Holy Spirit. It's breath. We need the Spirit of God. Without it, our life is alone. Our life is lifeless. Our life cannot accomplish much. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we need the spirit of God. But that's not just to make the army come alive. So what, you got an army. What good is an army if they don't go on a mission? Here's the, 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 there's a mission element to this. Let's finish up the, the parable. Verse 37. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Your purpose is back. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. And when I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord and I have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Here's number three. We live out God's mission. Your life's purpose is not to binge watch Netflix. Your life's purpose is to do good works for God's kingdom. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's handiwork. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God's prepared for each of us to do. 
God wants you to change the world. He wants you to lead your friends to Jesus. He wants you to live with a peaceful attitude, with a peaceful heart, even when the rest of the world is in chaos. He wants you to to show your family members what Jesus can do. He wants you to live with conviction when the rest of the world says live willy-nilly. He wants you to live for him. And none of this can happen without the spirit of God. Church, God is calling us to come alive. He's ready to spur us on to a revival, but that revival isn't gonna look like a meeting on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or a Sunday night. If you want to be a part of the army of God, if you wanna be a part of the revival, don't look somewhere else, look in the mirror. It's us. Revival starts with us in our hearts. We have to be able to get rid of any dry bones and invite the spirit to bring them alive, to bring healing to it. It's an individual, personal decision to step into it and then receive what God wants to do. If you're realizing today that you may have unforgiveness, bitterness, or apathy, or some other dry bone, maybe the Lord spoke something straight to your heart. If you want to that bone to come back to life. I encourage you right now, you need to recommit your life to Jesus. That's all there is to it. I mean, you, if there was ever a day when you're, where you were closer to Jesus than you are today, you, you need to, to commit your life to Jesus either for the first time or again. Recommitting our lives to Jesus is something that I think should happen every day. If you want to recommit your life to Jesus, would you just, in your bedroom or, or living room, just raise your hand. Just raise it, not to me, clearly I can't see you, but you're raising it to Jesus. Lord, we want our dry bones to come back alive. And we also, in the public chat, there's a spot for you to digitally raise your hand and click, and you can connect with us there. If you want someone to pray with you, click on live prayer at the bottom of this video as well, and you'll be connected with someone who's ready to to pray with you and shepherd you in your next step. Lord God, I pray that you would move in your church. Move among your people, God. We need you. We want to be fully dedicated to you, God. We need your spirit, Lord.